Let's turn to our text in Luke chapter 24, uh, and we're going to spend some good time in what's becoming a very familiar story. My prayer is that it becomes more and more familiar to us, not only as a biblical text, but as something that we're experiencing and walking into as, as we follow Jesus. One way that we could talk about life in general is, and you'll hear this metaphor used lots, that life is a, is a journey, right? That there's this sense in which life has some sort of forward momentum. It starts somewhere. Um, you know, usually it's your secret password for your bank account, right? Like, where were you born? What city were you born? It starts somewhere, some day, some time, in some context, and it continues through to somewhere, uh, and often in the church, we've talked about in the history of the church, one of the joys of life together, uh, both in joy and in sorrow, is the uh, welcoming and um, the baptizing of new believers and new Christians, these uh, babies that come into our midst, and they're part of when we celebrate, we have baby showers and all kinds of great celebrations, and we celebrate life, uh, and then we kind of walk through life together, and we also get to be there together come the end of life as we celebrate uh, life in funerals. Life is a journey, and as a journey, as we walk it, one of the things that I've noticed about myself, and I don't think I'm alone, is that we can often, inside of this journey, this this forward movement, become incredibly obsessed or oriented towards the destination. So people, if their lives are a journey and they're going somewhere, we can get really fixated on where we're going. When I was writing this up, it reminded me of the proverbial kid in the car, are we there yet? Right? It's sort of like, that's how I grew up. We knew where we were going, and I was so excited to get there that I just, that's all I could think about. So you're asking all the time. Some of us are just like that in life in general. We're, we're very oriented towards destinations. It looks like things like, we have things like five-year goals, five-year plans for our life. We're really um, oriented or fixated on things like degrees or graduations, promotions, sales targets, having a family, or retirement. We've got these kind of destinations and we set them out in front of us and it kind of is what life is about if we're not careful. We've got to get to these destinations. We become very destination oriented. Now these things to note, everything I just mentioned and anything else you'd place in there, they're not bad in and of themselves. In fact, they're really beautiful. They're worth celebrating and it's good to have goals and, and, and to have destinations. But we often orient ourselves towards these destinations in a way that pulls us out of the present. Have you ever experienced that? You get so oriented towards a destination that you miss, they so to speak, the journey. All you're fixated on is getting somewhere and getting it done, and so you're totally pulled out of and unable to take in the beauty of the journey that you're on, the present, the people around you, the experiences that are being had. We get consumed in this sense by both the past and the future. And so we're unable to be present right here, right now. Could it be that in this place and in this kind of um, orientation that many people are missing the, the, the incredible gift that is the present? The incredible gifts that are present to you right here, right now, in all kinds of ways, but certainly as we meet as a church today in the presence of God and the things that the God who created you would have for you today. Life has a destination, but by definition, destinations are found at the end of the journey. 
And so if everything is about the destination, it leaves one sort of in a weird space every day until you get there. Right? What's the point of this then, if not the destination? I think for lots of people, this reality of destinations and them being a far way off and the fact that we're kind of on this journey towards and we're in this waiting, this space, this place, can become very anxiety-ridden. When we're really focused on a destination that we're not at yet, it can really bring anxiety into our lives. Or it can cause inside of us uh, like a perpetual frustration or disillusionment. We're constantly not satisfied or content with the present because it's not the destination. And so there's an anxiety about having to get there. And I mean, you go back to some of the examples I gave. Sometimes five-year goals are so great, so healthy. But a lot of the time, you watch somebody when they start talking about their five-year plan, their anxiety just starts to do this. Right? It's not a, it's not a life-giving conversation for some. It becomes incredibly fraught with these things. But it need not be a source, this, this reality, a source of perpetual anxiety, frustration, and discouragement because though we eagerly wait for the destination, a reality that I think is inherently in us as human beings, we long for the destination. There's something right about that. Though in this moment we are waiting, kind of like a kid on Christmas Eve, right here in the waiting the destination has drawn near to us. And herein lies one of the beautiful mysteries of life with God. Luke chapter 24, verse 15, the, the passage that we're looking at today, says that while they were talking and discussing together, I would suggest on a journey towards a destination named Emmaus, but also, in the more metaphorical sense, on a journey towards a destination that has suddenly become quite confused. Post-resurrection, the destination that seemed so sure to them has become a bit foggy. And yet here they are on this journey, and it tells us that while they were talking and discussing these things together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. The destination, for us as believers, the destination is a person. This is my suggestion to us today. That the destination is not geographical. That the destination is not time-bound. That the destination is relational. That the thing our heart longs for, that, it, that it's pursuing and wanting to get to, is actually a person. And that person has a name, Jesus. Here they are on that journey, and in many beautiful ways, the destination meets them in the journey. Comes present to them. I love the language of the scripture's text. He draws near. Here they are in the journey, and Christ draws near. And Jesus loves to do this. Jesus loves to meet people on their journeys. 
He loves to meet people on the Emmaus Road. It's actually what we see here happening in Jesus is not a one-time event. It's the outworking of his character. This is who he is and how he functions. He loves to come to people in the present where they are. This morning, for the first time as a church, mainly because we didn't have the cross finished until this week, but you saw in the midst of worship, right as we started, we carried in this processional cross. And over the weeks, we'll talk more about why we're doing that. But it hit me today that part of the reason why we do that is this reminder that as we come into the presence of God, the way is made for us into this place by Jesus. You can't come into this place except for who he is and what he's done for you. And so that cross, that processional cross, it's called, it processes in and we follow it into the presence, into, into worship together. And it hit me today in a really special way as George was praying before the service. He was praying that God would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we walked this Emmaus road. Right? And I love that. Sort of in this sense, as we're on this Emmaus road, as we're moving, as we're journeying together, let that processional cross week after week be a reminder that Christ draws near to us on that journey. And we get to follow him through life. We get to follow him into worship. We get to follow him to the throne of grace. If you look at chapter 24, verse 21, the first part of that verse, a verse that we looked, about, looked at quite a bit at our camp out. But as Jesus talks with these disciples on the road to Emmaus and asks them, you know, what are you talking about? They're a bit thrown. Like, are you the only person who doesn't know what's been going on around here? They begin to tell him about himself, ironically. They start to tell him about Jesus of Nazareth and what's going on. And then they make this comment in verse 21 where they say, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. What I want to do today in that verse is I want to focus on the word redeem. We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. That word redeem uh, is the Greek word luthro. It means to redeem, it's translated. It's translated to deliver or even to set free. We had hoped that he would be the one to set us free. Now when they say that, that word gets used in the Greek only about three or four times in the New Testament, but it's used over 90 times in the Old Testament. And it harkens back to Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Let me read this for you. This is God speaking to Moses a promise as he's preparing him to go to Egypt to set the people free. Say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with acts of judgment. Let's look at this a little closer for a moment. Hear this promise and consider who God's saying it to. A people in slavery, a people under great oppression. He says to them three things. Tell them, number one, I will bring you out from under the burdens. How many of us and how many of the people that you live life with, you can almost see the weight of life on them. The burdens, right? Worries for the people they love. Trouble that they've encountered themselves. Trouble that they've 
cause to now feel regret or carry shame for. And you can watch the weight of life upon them. God speaks into this people in, in the truest sense as they carried literal burdens of slavery and taxation and work and these kinds of things. He's speaking to them not only of their present, current, literal situation, but of their deeper heart spiritual situation and saying to them, I want to lift off of you those burdens. Secondly, he says to them, I will deliver you from slavery. There was no way out of slavery for the people of Israel. If there was, they would have taken it. This was a forever kind of situation, and it was not good. God speaks in that space, I will deliver you from your slavery. And again, the, 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 the message or the heart it should be caught to set you free from your Egyptian slavery, but as we begin to walk with God, we realize he wants to set us free from our slavery, what Paul called a slavery to sin. That we've become enslaved to darkness, to sin, to brokenness. It's ruled our lives. And we've been trapped in it. And it can feel, just like Egypt, like there's no way out. Uh, some of us who have walked and tried to overcome maybe a sin issue in your life, for example, and you get to those points where you just feel overly frustrated because no matter how hard you try or how many books you read or how many things you put in place, it still seems to get you. It's slavery. And you need a deliverer. And so praise God. He says to the, Egypt, to the Israelites, I will deliver you from your slavery. And third of all, I will redeem you. I will set you free. I will liberate you. I will come into the broken and downtrodden parts of your life and I will breathe life back into you. I will restore you, redeem you. Beautiful promises. The disciples on the road to Emmaus can relate to the Egyptian slavery in many ways because they live under Roman rule. And so there's a part of their desire there. When they say we hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel, they're hearkening back to the slavery and saying, he did it then, we've just been waiting for him to do it again. And we'd hope this, this Jesus of Nazareth was the one that was going to do it, and then he died. They relate to the Egyptian slavery story and they know well their need and their desire for redemption or for liberation, but they seem to be less aware of the deeper and more pervasive need they have, not only for freedom and redemption politically or culturally, but at the very core of their beings. Just like you and me, they stood in need of a redeemer. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That if you're in a space where you need God, that doesn't set you apart. That, that sets you in great company. That every one of us need a redeemer. A redeemer who would set us free from our slavery to sin. Or else, surely there in that slavery we would die. 
And Romans 6.23, a few chapters later, says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Why? Because that promise of, of Exodus 6.6 6 comes full in the person of Jesus. And so the beauty and, and the irony of this statement when the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus say, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel, the irony of the situation is he was and he is. They just couldn't see it yet. And so Jesus begins to open to them the word of God, starting from Moses and walking through the prophets, all things containing to himself. And what is he showing them as he does that? He's showing them, I am exactly who you hoped I'd be. But I've not come to merely set you free politically. I've come to set you free in the deeper, more pervasive ways that are literally killing you body, soul, and spirit. And so these disciples find themselves in this place of wonder and confusion being met by Jesus. They find themselves suddenly on that road, but with Christ on the road. They're in their journey, this life's walk, full of and marked by everything that it's marked by, but all of a sudden it's different because they're not alone. And not only are they not alone because they have each other, but they have the Creator, the one who speaks life, and the one who moved in love for them and in power to set them free, to redeem them. And so Jesus comes and he draws near. We are in need of redemption, friends. I need redemption. We are all on an Emmaus road and stand in need of a Savior. We need Jesus to come near. We need the destination to break in to this journey. And praise God, he is still meeting people on the Emmaus Road. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've left undone, no matter where you're at today, in your life and on your journey. And no matter what that journey feels like to you today, God desires to draw near to you right now. Right where you are, how you are, in the midst of everything you're carrying, everything that, that brings you life and joy, and everything that feels like it's about to take you out, Jesus wants to come and meet you just like he met the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Maybe you're curious like Zacchaeus. Remember how he met Jesus on a road? Got to meet this guy. Curiosity so much that this tiny little guy climbs up into a tree and throws all of his human pride out the window just for a moment, a chance to, got to see this. I got to experience. Maybe you're curious like Zacchaeus. Wondering, thinking there's got to be something to this. Maybe you're desperate, 
like the woman who suffered from bleeding in Luke 8, or the blind men in Matthew 9 who called out to Jesus from behind blind eyes, Son of David, heal us. Maybe you're desperate today. You're walking, you're, you're feeling the need in your life in a profound way. Maybe you're lonely and defeated like the woman at the well on John, in John 4, who again on Jesus' road meets Jesus. Life has just been hard and you've dropped the ball and it's left you feeling disqualified and isolated and alone. And I think like the woman in the world resigned to that fact. Like the Israelites, there's no way out of this slavery. Maybe you're hungry and searching like the Ethiopian eunuch. Maybe you're zealous but potentially pointing that zeal in the wrong direction like Paul on the road to Damascus. Or maybe you're perplexed, disappointed, confused, overwhelmed, discouraged, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Friends, I have good news for you, no matter where you fall into this breadth of human experience. All of these things Jesus is drawing near to you and looking to redeem. Right now, right here in this space, in this moment, Christ desires to come near as a redeemer to set you free. This is my story. I'll be honest with you, it continues to be my story. And it's the story of many around you right now who in life, probably not that different than yours, bumped into these real and true and desperate needs for a savior and Jesus drew near and redeemed. An encounter with Jesus talk a lot about this here at Emmaus Road. An encounter with Jesus, when, when Jesus draws near, let's be honest, it can actually feel a, a little bit like an interruption or an offense, especially if you've got your eyes so firmly fixed on destinations, especially if you can't get Emmaus out of your sights. I was thinking the other day about where the disciples are headed in the story. It tells us they're going to Emmaus, but you know what else it tells us? Tells us where they're leaving. Their backs are also to Jerusalem. And if someone had come in and said, guys, where are you going? Let's go back to Jerusalem, where they end up, if you look at the end of the story. But if someone had just jumped in and said, what are you doing? Get back to Jerusalem. They probably would have got quite upset. We left for a reason. The, like, our hope is gone. Why would we go back there? We're going home. We've, we've turned our backs on hope. And what Jesus does is he comes and he draws near and he redeems. And part of the redemption, the fruit of redemption is hope, friends. So on your journey, wherever you're at, imagine if you were still in that same place, but it was profoundly marked by hope. 
And that's what happens when Jesus draws near. And he begins to speak into lonely and desperate and broken places. Hope begins to rise. And an encounter that could feel like an interruption or an offense, when we can take our eyes off the Emmaus destination and place them upon the person of Christ who is drawn near to realize that in fact the destination is here with us, then we can experience the redemption, the liberation from our slavery. We come into life and life to the full, as Jesus called it. If you'll slow down today and open up your heart to the possibility that the destination has come present here on this road that you're walking, then hear the promises of God from Isaiah 6, or from Exodus chapter 6 to you fresh today. I will bring you from under your burdens. Hear Jesus draw near to you today and to, to declare, I want to deliver you from your slavery. Would you humble yourself and receive and allow God to come near today and to speak over you this promise, son, daughter, I want to redeem you, to set you free. incredibly good news and my prayer as we continue life together at Emmaus Road is that we would get to experience and partner with Jesus on the Emmaus Road full of faith to believe confidence to know that he is still meeting people on the Emmaus Road maybe you have places in your own life where as we come to the table today you would pray God meet me would you draw near to me in this struggle with sin? Draw near to me in the, the weight of this relationship. Draw near to me in the regret that I carry connected to my past. Draw near to me in my confusion, in my loneliness, in my doubt. Jesus, draw near to me. As you come to the table today, I want to bless you to come with faith, believing that Jesus wants to draw near. But as well, I want to encourage you today and as we go forward to think missionally about the people that God's put in your life and to remember always that they too are on Emmaus Road and that Jesus is drawing near to them daily, looking to come close and let that fuel your prayer for them. Let that fuel your expectation as you share life with them and as together you walk that road and share your own experience of having met Jesus there. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are still meeting people on the Emmaus Road. And I thank you today that you met me on my journey. Thank you, God. Thank you that for many of us, we've encountered Jesus and you have shaped and changed our lives. God, we would confess to you today that in ways we need and we continue down this road to meet you, to be sanctified, to be reminded of your heart for us, to be reminded of who you say we are, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be rooted in the word of God. God, as we prepare our hearts now to come to the Lord's table, we take a moment to just be honest with you, 
to come present to this moment. Forgive us, Lord, for any way in which we become so oriented with the destinations we've concocted, the, de the destinations we've got fixated on in such a way that we've lost sight of Jesus. And in any other way, Father, that we need to repent and just turn our hearts back, come present to the God who draws near. Uh, we take a moment now to confess to the Lord. So I, I just give you a moment as we prepare the table to make your private confession to the Lord, and then we'll pray together. Let's, let's confess our sins. <laughs>